Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you guys are getting through the week. Hanging in there, right? Yikes, we got a lot coming up. How y'all doing? How you feeling about the election? (laughs) I know I keep bringing it up because I want to just remind everyone that maybe part of what you might be struggling with right now might be tied to your hesitation or your anxiety about what's going to be coming down the road. Oh man. So let's start building a little bit of a, be prepared, you know, a little bit of an emotional readiness plan, right? So what does that look like? Well, if you can safely be around any friends, whatever that means, some kind of outdoor viewing on the phone or FaceTime with them, gosh, especially if you're cohabitating with people, really have your social supports on standby whatever that means, group text, group face chat, whatever it is. Also have some stuff at home that's gonna help you kind of take the edge off. Uh, Maybe some food, some good foods. Yep, we can use food to self-soothe and cope. You're allowed to eat your feelings. Definitely gonna have a lot of really good foods uh, ready for me that night in case things, you know, go uh, in service of, you know, liberation, healing, and uh, in a positive direction, then it'll be celebratory. But if unfortunately fascism wins, then uh, I'm definitely gonna wanna have some foods, put a little smile on my face, whatever you need, uh, have it prepared. And also maybe, man, it really depends on where you are with all this. Some people might wanna take the next day off uh, and just be able to really focus on self-care, you know, sleeping in, resting, kind of grounding yourself, um, not really being responsible for much. So if you can take the day after the election off, maybe consider doing so. Uh, maybe even take that night off if you were supposed to be at work. I, I, you know, if you can, not everyone can, but for those that can consider doing that so that you can really be present with your feelings. It's going to be really hard for those that are at work to have to kind of compartmentalize what is a true impact. So I want family members, teachers, and employers, please hold space for that. Like it's okay if uh, we don't learn what we're going to learn or if we're not making the money we're going to make that day or that night, let's consider people first. And the election is going to have a really big impact on people. So if you can give them the night off and the next day off, please do so. If you can make it, maybe make that night or the next day a little lighter, easier on people, that would be great as well. And honor that people are going to be carrying a lot of emotion and we can't just tell people to let it go or get over it or just get back to work. It doesn't work like that. Mental health matters and mental health should come first. Otherwise we're being a little sociopathic and putting consumerism before people's lives. Let's not do that. We're working on doing the opposite. But I just want to let you all know I'll be with you in spirit that night. I'm going to be at home with some of my friends uh, safely distanced, also caretaking myself. So I'm, I'm prioritizing my mental health as well and um, possibly taking the next day off just like y'all might be doing so. 
Um, all right, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveland IG page. Later in the show, we're gonna be talking about something really important, how to talk to kids about race. That's right, being a part of anti-racism is, uh, it's an ongoing level of work, something we have to keep doing. Why? Because it's far from resolved, <laughs> especially with the election coming up. So it's important that we focus on that. Um, lots of interesting stuff in the news. Now, some people from you know different media organizations that center around LGBTQIA rights were saying, hey, in both presidential debates, LGBTQIA issues were never brought up. Now, some people think that that's, that's done. Like, oh, gays can get married. All's well now. Well, the ability to get married is really for people that have the desire and the funds. It's a little bit of a classist thing, although it is a great equalizer and normalizer. Trust me, I'm not dogging it. But my point is, is that the work is not done. The work is actually far from done. I've been tracking all week knowing that that never came up in the debates. All these really horrible stories, you know, people pushing back on the Pope, trying to push things forward. Also a story about a father driving to kill his lesbian daughter when she came out, heinous. Um, all, all sorts of really, really, really horrible stories. But then we have some really positive, beneficial ones like Emma Roberts, God bless her, this is being an ally. She's producing a LGBTQIA teen vampire series. That's right, representation and inclusion matters and is important. So thanks for doing that. And also TikTok, they're banning content that promotes conversion therapy. Conversion therapy, for those who don't know, is this really violent therapy that's been called out as inefficient and also really violent where people try to convert those that are in the LGBTQIA community into being heterosexual, which there's no need to do that. Being gay is beyond great, but uh, straightness, again, is so important to so many people in our culture that any way they can try to get people back into that, they're trying. Man, it's one of those clubs where they just don't let you leave. But um, still so much more work to do. You know, also, I'm reading a story right here in front of me, a couple Using Grindr as a way to lure gay people over to also create harm on them. I mean, it just goes on. I, I have so many. A gay man refused entry to a casino because he had a purse, and they claimed, and I quote, real men don't carry purses. They didn't want to let him in. I mean, all of these heinous, heinous things are going on. So the work remains, and it really comes down to just looking at macro and uh, micro levels, right? We're making sure those around you are positive around these things and not homophobic, calling out the bad jokes and, and the terminology use. But then also on a larger level, making sure or, all organizations are safe for the community and also are represented. You know, if people that are gay don't have positions of power, then your inclusion's useless and it's just performative. What really shows that someone's focusing on inclusion is when they have people of color and black people and gay people in positions of power. Otherwise, it's still a bunch of white cis hetero bull, just they've plugged in a few gay and black people to say, look, 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 well, that's called tokenization and that's not actually meaningful. So we'll be right back with therapist James Gay to talk more about election stress. All right, now let's go to our first guest, licensed therapist, James Gay. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to be here with you. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Uh, how is your mental health doing right now through all of this? Oh, boy. Loaded <laughs> it's question. been a rough haul, right? I think therapists are ourselves feeling it as well. So it's, uh, it's going well. I'm having my own therapy sessions when I need to. I'm doing my own self-care. I'm trying to practice what I preach. And still, it, it can be uh, really difficult at times, right? Yeah, I appreciate that so much. I think some people think we're superhumans and that we don't have our own struggles. And uh, I'm trying to talk more about that, just dealing with my own anxiety right now around everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm even bringing it up in session where I'm like, I too am experiencing in the moment exactly what you're talking about, you know? And so let's let's work through this together. Let's figure out a way that that's going to help you. 
drive well, a little bit more. And that's kind of our segue. You know, life is happening right now in the midst of a lot of different things. Uh, election time. And I feel like prior oh. elections haven't brought up the topic of mental health in the way that the current one does. So uh, <laughs> kind of hold our hand through that right now. Um, what, what is election stress uh, all about? Oh, boy. It is about feeling increased anxiety and depression and hopelessness and taking it out on the people that are sort of around us at times, right? It's interesting that it's in August, the APA had the Harris poll come out, and they, um, based on the recipients who were interviewed, they said that two-thirds of U.S. adults, that's 68%, say that this election season is having a significant source of stress in their real life. And that's not just one political party or another. That's like literally 76% for Democrats, 67% for Republicans, and 64% for independents. So we're all feeling it. Yeah. And how much of that do you think is amplified by being in a pandemic? Do you think that they're intersecting or do you think they're separate? Oh, there's so much that's happening. There's so many unknowns, right? And there's so much that's on the line. And there's a polarization and heightened judgment. And, you know, for us to feel like there's so many unknowns in the world, often what we do is try and have a felt sense of control or power over things. And sometimes that can come out as, you know, being critical and judgy and 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 just putting it all out there, trying to control the people around us in ways that are not so helpful oftentimes. Yeah, I know I've had to just monitor my own self and I have to be a little more thoughtful before I hit uh, post, right, on social media. Yeah. Because I've had oh, yeah. some days where I just want to rage. <laughs> uh-huh, I have those days too, right there with you. <laughs> so, and, and that's yeah. the thing, you know, we, we need to use our anger and our angst in ways that can have a positive impact. So, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about this right now, but part of that for me was literally like the next day, like I, I got my ballot in the mail. I filled it out the next morning. I took it. I put it in the, the box outside West Hollywood Public Library that's designated for it. And I can't tell you how therapeutic that felt in ways that I'd never experienced before. That was the fastest I've ever filled out that thing. <laughs> I love that. And I was the same way. But, you know, just to make complicated matters more complicated, we also have to be aware of whether or not it's a legitimate ballot box. Exactly. Like the stressors exactly. don't stop. <laughs> oh, my word. It's like 2020 is just throwing everything at us. And it's extreme. I think it's important to acknowledge that these are extreme times. There's a global pandemic. There's, you know, the presidential debate was a whole debacle. There's like, you know, there's an intensity of people's experiences and so many unknowns and so many tragedies and so much gaslighting that it's just a lot to contend with. So we need to acknowledge that for ourselves. We'll be right back with therapist James Gay to talk more about election stress. All right, now let's go to our first guest, licensed therapist James Gay. So what tips do you have for those that are worried about election night itself. Mm -hmm. um, those, you mm -hmm. know, if it goes the way that people are wanting, clearly they'll celebrate. But if it goes the way right. that people are scared, it will. What tips would you give them for that night? 
Well, I mean, at first and foremost, you know, as therapists, we're going to say this, we need to feel our feelings. We need to actually allow ourselves to acknowledge our vulnerability and whatever is up, even if it's something that we didn't anticipate, right? To allow ourselves to acknowledge what does exist, to not force it to be something different. And then it's what we do with it that makes the, the biggest difference, right? So if we can have that mindful presence, and then attend to whatever's there in a much more caring way, it might mean that we need to take a break from the news, constant news stream that we get 24 seven. It might need that we need to take a walk around the block. It might be that we need to call a friend or, or you know, get some physical exercise. There's so many different ways that we can try and control with it, what's within our power to control. Um, when so much is outside of our power and control. Yeah, I'm going to be definitely having community and social support ready because, you know, I'm self-isolating, oh, yeah. so I'm at home on my own. So I'm going to be watching uh, it by myself, and if it doesn't go well, uh, uh, I'm going to have my friends ready on speed dial, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember in 2016, I literally bawled because I knew what was going to transpire, right? And, you know, we've experienced that for the last almost four years now. And so, you know, we need to, to have a plan in place to acknowledge the reality of the situation and um, to integrate moments of pleasure or hope or gratitude. It's not about toxic positivity. It's not about ignoring all the stuff that's going on, the racial, social injustices in the world. It's about integrating some amount of positive experiences as much as we can um, to include that into our experience for our own mental health and well-being. Yeah, got to center mental health. Well said. Well, right. listen, fingers crossed. We're all going to be prepared, and uh, we'll have you back yes. on. We'll have you back on afterwards <laughs> to talk about post-election aftercare. <laughs> exactly. That's a thing, right? <laughs> it's going to have to be. All right, James Gay. Thank you so much for being yeah. a part of our show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a it. beautiful night. And there it is, finding control where we can find control, uh, surrounding yourself with available resources. Like I said, I was serious. I'm going to have my friends available if there are people I need to reach out to. And also, like James said, feel our feelings. Don't shame them. Don't deny them and don't stuff them. No toxic positivity. Feel your feels. That's how we're going to get through this and uh, know that we're all in it together. Thank you so much, James. Coming up next, we'll be sliding into those DMs. All right, y'all, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs always come from our Loveline page, so drop them in there if you have a question for me. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I know there's nothing really safe you can do right now, but are there things that you'd never do during the pandemic and things that you would take a chance on? Thanks. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I'm, you know, again, remember, I'm a mental health and a public health professional, so it's really important that I'm embodying, um, well, that I'm embodying what's best for everyone. And as I said before, we have to look out for impact on others. We can't be self-centered right now and only worrying about yourself. We, we have to, you know, acknowledge that everything we do right now has a possibility of impacting a lot of other people, getting people infected, people that are high risk, low risk, it doesn't really matter, but everything we're doing, yes, it impacts others. Even the people that are at work right now that didn't have an opportunity or choice, that they need the money and they're forced into positions that they might not be feeling safe or comfortable. So every time we're going out of the house, we're putting them at risk too. 
gosh, so what I won't do is I wouldn't be having sex with, I would not be participating in hookah culture. I just wouldn't, you know, we can go a, a certain amount of time without sex. And there's so many ways we can be having sex that don't involve face-to-face, -face, sharing droplets, touch, um, just make use of technology. There's so many ways to be creative and diverse. We've talked about that. You know, and also I'm really, really limiting my socialization. I'm If I'm socializing at all, it's with the same two or three people, always masked, always outdoors, always six feet apart, not for long periods of time, because we do need to socialize. So please don't completely self-isolate. That's not mentally healthy. It is safe. It is okay if you wear a mask and you go outside in the world, not around crowds, always outdoors, not for long periods of time. That's okay. So what am I doing? I'm going shopping, grocery shopping, absolutely. Uh, going to plant stores to bring nature into my home. I'm also spending time out on patios. There's a coffee shop I go to right near my home. They have an outdoor patio. Everyone's masked, distanced. It's very safe because uh, I need to get out, you know? Otherwise, I'm doing a lot of time at home. But that's that's part of what I'm willing to do, be outdoors away from people, you know, small periods of time. But we need to participate in the world. We can't completely shut ourselves off. That's going to lead to a lot of issues, a lot of confusion, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. It's not going to be good. Right, And a lot of us are coming out of this. I was talking to a couple of people about this yesterday where they're having a little um, kind of un, uh, uh, it's like a little bit of ambiguous social anxiety where they don't traditionally have it, but they've had so much time away from others that the idea of engaging and seeing others just feels very anxiety inducing. So I want to normalize that, that people have kind of lost that really unacknowledged confidence that we had in just being around others. And so it's very foreign and unfamiliar when all of a sudden the idea of socializing just makes you feel unsure. And it's not just the COVID that's making you feel unsure, unsafe. It's just this idea of, of you spend so much time away from others that the idea of being present in that way just feels so vulnerable. It's so fascinating, right? So I'm honoring everything. I'm not really taking any risks. I don't, I just don't think anything's worth it right now, you know? And if you're trying to visit family members and whatnot, I hope you are quarantining. I hope you are getting tested. I hope you're taking all that seriously. Again, I'm seeing some of these cities where people are not at all. And I'm listening to some people that are still having birthday parties and weddings and all these things where you're putting other people at risk. It's very self-centered. You can go this year without your wedding or without your birthday or without a holiday celebration. We have to. We can do it other ways. Have it outdoors. Have it distanced. Limit the number. Do it online. Say we'll do it next year, but better and bigger. I mean, we have to be more flexible. It can't be as though these other things around us aren't happening. It can't be business as usual. We have to be willing to be a little disrupted right now. I just don't advise taking risks. I don't think many things are really worth it. But if you need to see people, yeah, be getting tested, make sure they're getting tested and follow protocol. There's a reason why it exists. We're not making it up just because just it's fun. So yeah, I don't have a big flashy answer for you. I'm not taking any risks. I'm being very smart. And I'm focusing a lot on self-care and rest. I'm resting a lot. I'm working at 60% at best. I'm going easy on myself. I'm not pushing myself. I'm trying to make sure I'm not burnt out. I was hitting a point of burnout. So I've stopped taking on work for the rest of the year. I'm just doing what's in front of me and letting that be enough, you know, but lots of self-care. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about how to talk to kids about race. And then question of the night, closing out the DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, now let's go to our next guest, Jake, singer, songwriter, and God, got to throw this one in there, Viral Sensation. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, over 5 billion? I mean, when I read that number, it hurt my head. Yeah, insane, insane. Well done. Um, so I always like to start by asking people about their mental health. Right now, we're in a pandemic, along with a lot of other things happening right now. How are you doing mental health-wise? 
honestly, the beginning of the pandemic was definitely tough for my mental health. Um, I relied heavily on friends and church and God primarily. And when I wasn't able to see anybody, that was really tough for me. Um, but things started opening back up uh, where I'm from in Rhode Island before all of this happened. And that definitely helped me a lot. Um, but I would say, as far as my mental health goes, I know social media is such a big kind of vice for me. And I know it's kind of toxic to my mental health, honestly. So um, through all of this, the success recently, the way I've been kind of managing my mental health has been through keeping checks on my social media, make sure I don't get um, too uh, dive deep into them. And ultimately, just being able to focus on my relationship with God, that's been like my primary focus. I applaud you. So many people are bringing up the impact that social media has on their mental health. And I'm so thankful that people are acknowledging that and doing what they need to do around that. So well done. Um, let's yeah. jump right in. You went from performing in church to TikTok. That's quite a jump. How does that happen? Man, I mean, it starts off with just a, a super musical family. Um, my dad's a pastor and my mom's a music teacher. So... Uh, what better way than to just put them together? I, I started off on stage at church at the age of seven and um, all the way up until about 17 years old, I was playing about twice to three times a week, wow. uh, drums, piano, guitar. And um, yeah, I started off just being really musical. And then at the age of 14, I started messing with production on my friend's computer. And um, that was when I really fell in love with the creation process. And um it started off just writing songs, and then I heard about TikTok. I decided to put some stuff up there, and it just went really viral. I love the confidence. You're like, I just literally played every single instrument, started messing around <laughs> production, and you know, now I'm, I'm a sensation. Um, so what was it like? I read in your bio that you left college to you know, really get into music. That, that had to have been something that might have given a little anxiety to your family. Yeah, yeah. I mean... My plan at, at the time was to just go to go to college for music education, just like my mom, just following her footsteps. And I realized it just it just wasn't enough for me. I really wanted to do something big and something different. And I I was yeah, I was at I was at college for about a year and a half and I was just like, well, this isn't really helping my dream much, which is to be a recording artist and travel around the world and and sing songs and write songs like that isn't really helping so i was just like mom dad i think it's time i want to drop out i want to give this my full attention and that was when we decided like okay if you're going to work hard and you're going to go for it then you got to go for it 100 percent oh i love that they're able to be supportive because i can see where that could scare some people but you know again props to you for going after your dream and what made sense to you and not staying in a process that wasn't working thanks man thank you yeah so um this whole TikTok thing, I'm going to call it out. I'm very unfamiliar. I've seen a few of them. What what drives someone to put something on TikTok? Is it just, you know, like an Instagram thing where you wanted to get your music out there and have people able to access it? Yeah, I would say the difference between TikTok and a lot of other social media platforms is that um, the way they design the algorithm, it actually allows pretty much anybody to go viral. If you have a great enough idea, a great enough video, um, you're able to go from, from zero followers to an overnight sensation, which is usually what happens with the majority of uh, TikTok influencers. It happens very quickly. Um, and that's really drawing to a lot of people who maybe have a business they want to promote. They have a dream of being a YouTuber or like myself, be an artist. 
um, that dream is can become a reality through TikTok. And ultimately, it, it kind of takes away those those uh, big doors that stop people from getting to where they want to be. Uh, TikTok is definitely unique in that way. I love that. I think everyone should have a right to get their art and creativeness out there. I interviewed a um, large celebrity couple years ago and one of the things she said was she's very frustrated by that and I thought yeah but it levels the playing field it gives everyone an opportunity it's more fair yeah yeah I agree and also right now I think TikTok is giving people a lot of joy and fun in a really difficult time so I'm really glad that it exists for that yeah yeah I, I totally agree that was something that was actually what I picked up over quarantine was uh started making videos with my mom uh, I went from in about a, in about a month, I gained over 1.5 million followers and uh, over 100 million views. And that was just with the extra time that I had on um, over quarantine. Uh, so there's so, so many possibilities for what you can do um, with with extra time and just with putting stuff on TikTok. It, it, it's it's amazing. Oh, wow. Um, so what happens for you next? Because having such a big splash, like we said, way over 5 billion, do you feel pressure to keep producing things that go viral? Yeah, there's definitely some pressure there. Um, I I spent about two, two or three years beforehand just writing songs and there's not too much pressure when you're just kind of writing songs day to day. And that's that's how I feel still is that um, all of the, the pressure and the hard work is just done over time you can take your time creating TikToks. You can take your time um, making amazing content. And ultimately, it does take a lot of the pressure off because you don't have to perform in that moment. You can just uh, edit it and make sure it's good and take as many takes as you want. So there's definitely pressure to put out great content, but um, I'm pretty confident that if, if I take my time and just relieve some of the pressure, it'll, it'll all come out good. Beautiful. And for those that want to get in on it, uh, what advice do you have for new TikTokers? Yeah, advice I would say would be figure out what's special about you. Everybody has something special. For me, it was just I love music, um, but there's so many different things and there's so many different niches that you can fit into in the TikTok community. And I would really encourage anyone, if you're looking to get into TikTok, find that one thing that makes you special and then just post. You'll figure out a lot about yourself and a lot about your page and what does well and what doesn't just by posting. Be creative. Don't be afraid to try new things and, and you might be the next viral sensation. Oh, I love it. Jake, thank you so much for adding a little more joy and fun to our lives right now. Thanks for being on the show. For sure, man. I, I appreciate you having me. Take it easy. Have a good night. All right, we're back. Question of the night. It's coming up next. So uh, weigh in on that. That's on our Loveline IG page in the stories. Then we're going to be doing some DMs. But right now, let's talk about how to talk to your kids about race. Now, this is important and it's tips that we can really use for the discussion about any form of, you know, normalizing and talking about creative, diverse ways of being in the world, talking about race, talking about gender, talking about sexuality, talking about body shapes and sizes. So this is kind of just a way to have conversations about what's going on in the world and, and otherness, right? And diversity and inclusion. So again, you can pull the word race out and input all sorts of other important conversations that we need to have to really work towards 
anti-racism, anti-sexism, and all the different kinds of things that really lead to mental health and social health. So in talking to kids about race, the first thing I want to talk about is you need to start early. Why? Well, because children <laughs> encounter race from an early age. And the sooner you talk about something, the better the conversations will be because they'll be prepared. They'll have the right languaging, the right perspective. Um, unfortunately, we still live in a very racist culture and you want a child to have already been inoculated against that because a lot of the world is gonna still instill some of that. It's still very prevalent in a lot of ways. So starting early is really valuable and important and you can't start too early because you know we see all sorts of things when it comes to race and black people and people of color. Um, all sorts of things will come up on television, out in the world. And so again, it's all about arming your child. So there's no such thing as too early and you wanna start really, really early. Again, always done in an age appropriate way so that the child's not overwhelmed. And the way that we know we've kind of hit a limit with the child is by looking at their body language. If they're with us still, they'll be making eye contact. Even more so if they're asking questions. That's a really great sign that they're really engaged, but if not, that's okay. But if the child is looking away or changing the conversation, honor that and go with that. But again, these are always ongoing conversations, right? Just like when we talk about sex ed, it's not a one-off. It's an ongoing conversation that you use any moment as a teachable moment. So letting your child know it's perfectly okay to discuss these things is really valuable and meaningful. Because again, we're arming them with language. We also we also want to encourage children to ask questions, right? We want them to know that we're a safe space to answer whatever question they have and that there's no question that's problematic. Um, how you respond to their questions, if you do it confidently and openly and non-judgmentally, they'll continue to ask, right? But kids won't ask parents questions if they're not safe. If you act, if you shame them or embarrass them or change the topic, that's a sign that like, I'm not someone you can come to with these things. And I don't want kids getting their information out there in the world because, again, we live in a really racist culture, very, you know, very white supremacist. And we don't want children to be left, you know, absorbing that. So um, encourage your child to ask questions, you know, always respectfully, but encourage them to be able to talk to you about race. Really important. Um, you also have to be a role model. So you have to be very thoughtful about how you're engaging it because they're watching you. You're really mimicking and modeling for them how to encounter it. So you also want to do it in a very anti-racist way where you don't say things that are racist. And if something racist is said or done on television, you point out and say, hey, look, that's an example of racism. That's never okay. And here's why. And here's what we'd want to say or do instead. And even model for them how to approach others if they're saying something problematic or racist, right? Um, you know, also sometimes our child doesn't have diversity around them. So you want to have your child get familiar with diversity by having them encounter friends of all different backgrounds. Unfortunately, some schools don't have that. And so you maybe want to enroll them in other activities that have more inclusive populations of students and children's around, children around them. Because again, encountering diverse people really starts to normalize that and lets them see what is similar and also what is different. Because we aren't all the same. We're not, we are all actually very different and it's okay to recognize that. It's okay to see color. Why? Because race matters and we wanna be able to acknowledge what that means. And we, we really move towards anti-racism by, by being able to acknowledge that racism is something to move beyond. So it's okay to see color and it's okay to acknowledge we are all different. We have different experiences based on our gender, based on our body shape and size, based on our, based on our race. All those things do create different experiences for us. We don't all experience the world the same way. We do not. And it's okay to acknowledge that and acknowledge why we need to change that. But again, it goes back to you facing your own biases and really doing the work on that. We have to. Otherwise, consciously or unconsciously, right, which is far more insidious, is those micro, 
micro uh, aggressions, right? The small ways that we think it's not a big deal or it's harmless that actually start to make it acceptable to push further into more problematic kinds of things and thoughts and statements. So we wanna deal with the small and the large. It's not just about the very overt forms of racism that are problematic. Again, it's those microaggressions, those smaller forms, and that's where it gets to fester, right? Because um, we wanna create a home that's very different. Um, talk also about history. You know, we really need to talk correctly about history and really acknowledge racism in history and also the accomplishments of black people. You know, how they've really contributed powerfully in all fields and uh, the importance of their presence and what they've done. Not that anyone's worth is tied to what they've participated or produced. Everyone has worth just because they exist, but we don't want to only honor white success, right? We want to talk about black successes, the successes of people of color, also the successes of gay people, the successes of women, the successes of people with larger bodies, right? Gender nonconforming people, all these things have existed throughout all of history. We just haven't always had a term for them or safe community that let them know that it was okay to be who they were. And that's why we're seeing larger, you know, more, more, more people coming out. Um, and also we want to be honest, you know, let people be where they are, share with them, share your struggles with them as well. You know, let them know that it's something that you had to do work on and that you weren't always necessarily perfect, but that it matters and you keep working on it. And like I finally said, it's an ongoing thing. It's not a one-off. We have to constantly be examining, acknowledging and discussing, right? Because again, we never know what form this might show up and what form it might take. And you want your child to be prepared, to have the language and to be part of changing things. You know, so much needs to change. Make your child part of the solution, not part of the problem. And again, racism is created and maintained by whiteness. And so it's on the shoulders of white people to absolve this, to end this, to challenge this, not on the shoulders of black people. They're the victims. All right, y'all, coming up next, question of the night. So uh, still some time to weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and now it's time for question of the night. Question of the night is if you've been dating on a dating app at any point during quarantine, has it helped you cope with lockdown or are you feeling more lonely? I love this one. I have all the individuals in my practice that are single dating online. Why not? Everyone's home. People are probably more on them, meaning the frequency. Also in numbers, people are lonely. There's no reason to not build connections romantically, sexually, socially over these apps. Now's a great time to do that. So I'm fully supportive of people taking advantage of that. I, I, I think that's great. Why not build in this other layer of intimacy? And you can go on dates outside, six feet apart with a mask. There's no, there's no harm in that. We gotta do things differently. You know what I mean? Finding new ways to be sexual, right? Because remember, sex is far bigger than penetration or genitals, and it doesn't even have to take place together in real time. So explore yourself sexually. Try going on dates with people you wouldn't traditionally maybe date. Try new forms of sexuality. Build some body esteem by maybe sexting and, and really letting yourself see how desirable you and your body are. I think that's one of the most powerful things of dating and sexuality is finding and learning about our desirability. Really, really be cautious and thoughtful about who you expose yourself to in those ways because there's a lot of really uncaring people out there and they don't take responsibility for how they impact others and they're not aware of the fact that you know romance and sex we build people up or we further reaffirm what they already were worried about negatively in terms of their self-awareness or self-image or desirability so take that seriously but yeah practice your sexuality practice communications practice boundary setting all these beautiful things come out of dating i, I think that that's such a great way to transform and grow and learn about yourself so 
do it. Really put yourself out there. Get rid of these age limits. You don't know what, what an age bracket tells you. So get rid of these age limits. It doesn't matter how many years plus or minus. That's your ego speaking. You don't know that. That's how we keep ourselves single. Don't be all fixed on the kind of job they have, the height they are. None of those things matter. Love is what it feels like when you close your eyes and you're with someone. So it's not about their height, their weight, their job, their age. You want to date you compatible you appropriate, not age appropriate or job appropriate, you appropriate. And that might look like different ages and different jobs. And I never date people in my age bracket. I always date traditionally about a decade younger. And that's not about power differential. Age does not promise power. I'm very empowering in my dating. Um, I like the energy and there's a lot of other factors that fold into that. Enough about me. Question of the night is if you've been on a dating app during the quarantine, has it helped you cope with lockdown? And are you feeling more lonely? First person said, not really coping, but I'm also not feeling more lonely. Guys are a-holes. <laughs> but see, you're, you're, you're proving my point. You've had experiences with people who unfortunately didn't take the relationship they form online seriously. And even though you might not have met them or talked to them long, it's a relationship of sorts. Be thoughtful and kind. It's a person you're talking to. Someone else said, feeling way more lonely. The disconnect is real. I hear you. Get on FaceTime. Sitting with them, looking at them, eye contact, that helps. And also outside, meet them. Short periods of time, outdoors, not around people, six feet apart, wearing a mask in the fresh air, all's well. You can see them. Have them meet you across the street, park bench. Go for a hike, go for a walk. Someone else said to our question of the night about feeling more lonely if dating during lockdown, someone said, nah, I'm literally avoiding it like the plague that we should be. You can still be engaging people online. Um, you don't need to avoid that level of connection, you know? But I do appreciate that you're taking the face-to-face -face in real time. Well, online is real time, but the face-to-face -face more seriously. We need to do that. Uh, someone said, yeah, but they all charge money. Wish there was a legit free one. Um, I don't know. I've only ever used the free ones. I've never paid money for a dating site, and I've met some great people. I'm just very thoughtful about how I engage. Uh, I set good boundaries. I ask a lot of questions. I assess for empathy and availability. Uh, if they're not consistent or, or present or available, I bounce. You know, um, I try to take it offline as soon as possible. That really assesses their level of commitment. I try to get them on the phone as soon as possible or on Skype. That really assesses their level of commitment. All these little things are ways we can assess red flags or, you know, how honest they are to wanting to really date someone. Question of the night is if you've been on a dating app at any point during quarantine, has it helped you cope with lockdown or are you feeling more lonely? Someone said, it's good to talk to people and flirt. It's dangerous because people get tempted to hook up here, here. I'm hearing about people hooking up. I'm telling y'all, don't do it. I don't advise it. It's too dangerous and I don't think it's worth it. I think there are other ways to be sexual. If you do want to have sex in a more present way with someone else, meet up with them, do mutual masturbation. You don't necessarily have to touch each other. You can be sitting next to each other on the couch, spread apart or across the room. You can walk in on someone. I mean, that's a very arousing way to be sexual. Tell them to just stand across the room. You guys can kind of strip down, do your thing, but mutual masturbation is going to be your best friend. And again, just not exchanging saliva. So there are forms of sexuality where you can wear a mask. You just got, you just got to be thoughtful. It's all about barriers and boundaries. Somebody else said, it helped me see how much I love being single. I don't feel the need to husband up anymore. Love that. 
I love that. You're seeing how self-reliant you are. You're seeing the meaning and value in all the other kinds of intimacy you have. I hope you're learning that sexuality can exist with yourself or with other people. You don't have to be dating them or looking for a husband or relationship in order to maybe have some sexting or flirtation. Uh, You're using your downtime for self-care and hobbies. I love that. Someone else said, I think it's a combination of being lonely that makes me want to talk, but then it's like we can't do anything, so it's just frustrating. You can. You can flirt. You can sex. You can send images. You can have cam sex. Uh, We talked about mutual masturbation. You can go for walks. You can send each other images and pictures. I think it's stunning. I'm dating someone long distance and I value that we're giving gifts, sending cute texts, getting on FaceTime. I love it. Finally, we'll end on this one. Someone said, yep, but I definitely won't be seeing any, uh, any of them after quarantine lifts. Why? All right, coming up next, we'll be sliding into those DMs, listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a little upset with one of my best friends, and I'm not entirely sure if I should be or not. She's having a baby shower the first week of November and asked her guests, only about 30, only, what are you talking about only, to get a COVID test in order to attend the party. I understand why, and I'm not upset about that, but I'm unemployed. I lost my job, and I do not have benefits to cover a test. The only tests I can get are ones from CVS, and they cost 150 bucks, which I really don't have right now. I asked her if she'd even go half uh, on the test with me because I really want to make it. She told me no. She's saving her money for the baby. Mind you, her and her husband have full-time... Listen, she's gross. I'm going to call flat out. Listen, congratulations on your baby. Congratulations on your wedding. Congratulations on your graduation. Congratulations on your birthday. You don't, your, your holiday, your celebration does not have more meaning, value, or legitimacy than other people's priorities. Remember, your priority isn't always every, everyone else's. And I think it's gross right now when people are struggling financially and employment that you still want to have these events where people have to take time off, spend money they don't have, get dressed up. Number one, it's not safe. You can have your baby shower another time. You can even go without it. You will be okay. We are talking about a pandemic. This is very frustrating to me because I'm seeing people getting strong-armed and guilted into spending money or socializing when they don't feel comfortable. Again, that is not an okay ask. No, do not go spend that money. You let your friend know, unfortunately, I don't have the funds for that right now. All the best and congratulations with your baby. And if she has any feelings about it, that's on her. She, she cannot expect you. She understands about saving money. She wants to save her own money. She, she, wait a minute. She wants you to spend money on her party that she won't even spend. That's disgusting. No, I'm sorry. People, y'all need to be better. That's gross. You do not spend that $150 on a test for someone else's event. Absolutely not. And if your friend's a human and has any level of care and compassion, will understand that finances are tough. I think it's offensive that people are still wanting you to go to their wedding, go to their birthday, go to their whatever. That is your big event. That doesn't mean it's everyone else's. And your big events don't are not happening out of context. They're within the context of what's going on in other people's lives. I've told many people, congratulations on your wedding. I'm unable to take the time off to fly across the country to attend. And that has to be acceptable. So you absolutely do not spend that money. You absolutely do not attend. It is not safe to go, tested or otherwise, because I don't believe that they're all getting tested a day before and quarantining until or whatever it is. I don't believe that. 30 people is far too many. 
So you do not go because it's not safe for in a pandemic and you do not spend money you don't have and you lovingly let them know that unfortunately it is not financially doable. Thank you and uh, all the best. And you do not get a gift either because again, you don't have the money for a gift. Listen, people, just because it's your birthday or your wedding doesn't mean that people are in a financial place to spend money. I've said this before. You invite me to your wedding, you might not be getting a gift. You People do not promise gifts. You invite people to your events because you want their presence, meaning not the gift presence, but them being there. And if it's really about just getting things, well, then you have materialism and consumerism as your priority, and that's not okay. So no, you are not going and you are not spending that money. And you tell them I told you that, okay? All right, y'all, Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world, and we want you to explore with confidence. Come on, people. People come first. These kinds of dynamics are so disappointing to me, and it's everything that's wrong with our culture right now. But guess what, y'all? Have a good weekend. Focus it on self-care. That means resting. That means spending, not spending money you don't have. That means saving your money just like other people are saving theirs. Put yourself first. Put your self-care first. Put your needs first. Set boundaries. I'm doing that. I've been invited to a lot of social events. I'm going to none of them. I'm a public health professional. It's important that I'm following guidelines. And right now, I'm needing a lot of solitude. And maybe you are as well. And you do what you need to do. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So check that out. And uh, past episodes of Loveline. They are podcasted. Go over to wearechannelq.com and you can check it out. Y'all, see you on Monday. Take care of yourselves. Have a beautiful, beautiful weekend and uh, a good rest of your night.